0: In verse 19, I just want to read one verse of Scripture there. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, This, or the man's name with whom I wrought today, is Boaz. I want you to notice one statement, and this will be my title here tonight for uh, this Bible lesson, and that is, and her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned? Where hast thou gleaned? Let's look very quickly here into the book of Matthew, chapter number 9. Book of Matthew, chapter number 9 and verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers unto his harvest. Going back to the statement in verse 19 of chapter 2 of Ruth, Where hast thou gleaned today? Where hast thou gleaned today? We want the Lord to help us. Would you lift your hands with me and let's pray for the Lord God of heaven to bless in the remainder of this service. And bless this Bible lesson to our hearts and challenge us tonight. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We're thankful, God, for spirit that we feel here tonight, your presence. We're always grateful to be in the presence of the Lord. And I pray, God, for your help, your strength, your blessing to be upon our endeavors now. I ask you, God, to help us to see your perfect will accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. The book of Ruth, though it's not a long book, only four chapters in length, it carries a very powerful and applicable message uh, to us today. There's several things that we can learn through study of the book of Ruth. Uh, It's sort of like... Uh, as we drill down deeper into it, the more we see how it ties in. It's not just an arbitrary book that is out there in the Old Testament that is sort of placed in a weird place as far as where it stands in our Bible and how that the people that translated it put it together. Uh, but we know that it has a connection to the New Testament. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. But there are several things that we can learn from the book of Ruth. First of all, we learn about choices and life's choices and the importance of those choices. And then we learn about the consequences of some of life's choices. When people make certain choices, there is consequences, good and bad, that come as a result of those choices that are made. And we see this initially in the book of Ruth, almost right from the beginning. It tells us this story of how that a choice confronted this little family, and they chose uh, a choice that would later have dreadful consequences for them. And then it most importantly talks about redemption and restoration, how that Though there was this family that made some poor choices, there was individuals involved here that suffered the consequences of those choices. But it does give us hope in that when you've made some poor choices, that there is the opportunity to make it right and to be redeemed and to start over, as it were, and to learn from those choices And it is really a story of redemption. And I think that that is one of the greatest purposes of the book of Ruth, is to reveal a beautiful story of God's redemption. We see here what is called the Kingsman Redeemer. And this is going to be a picture of Jesus Christ, which was to come in the future. And he would be our Kingsman Redeemer. He would be the one that would save us. And uh, so we see a picture of that all the way back here in the book of Ruth. And uh, you, you know kind of synopsis of the story, but uh, I want to rehearse just a little bit of it for you tonight. And that is that this family lived in Bethlehem, Judah, which was considered to be, by interpretation, the house of bread. This was where the people of God would gather. And this is where they worshiped the Lord. This is where they gave dedication of themselves unto God. This was where most or the majority of people that lived in this area were the people of God. And uh, so there was safety in this place. But this, this area fell upon hard times. There was a famine that came. And because of that, uh, this particular family, Naomi and her husband, they made a choice to go to Moab, which was only just a little ways down the road. But, and it may have seemed like uh, a choice that was uh, really not that big of a deal. Really, it should not be uh, considered. Uh, that great of a choice for us to decide just to move a little bit down the road. But we see here that this choice carried with it some very, very dreadful consequences before it was over in the land of Moab, which was a a land of heathens, uh, a land that was sinful, a land that was godless, When they got there, they began to take on some of the attributes and the characteristics of that land. Their sons, whatever age they were when they went there, they grew up and they married Moabite women. And then uh, we read that Naomi's husband and her two sons passed away. They died while in Moab. Moab. And this is a picture of someone that is dying away from God or in a backslidden condition. We understand that by analyzing this story. And so what a terrible condition to die in. Not too far away from hope, not too far away from where they should have been. But nevertheless, they passed away uh, without God, without any hope. And it was then that Naomi came to her senses and realized that I have no reason to stay here. And she heard that things was somewhat better in the land where she had came from, Bethlehem, Judah. And so she made up her mind that she was going to return. And when she did, Ruth, which was one of her daughters-in-law, made up her mind that she was going to follow. And almost out of custom, or for also consented that she would go. Because maybe she felt obligation. Because this after all was her her late husband's mother. And maybe there was some feeling there that she should comply and go along with uh, Naomi. But Naomi made uh, an offer to her and said, uh, you know, you need to stay here. There's no reason for you to go with me. Uh, I'm going back. I can offer you no more sons to marry. You're, you're still young. This is where you're from. Why don't you stay here? And there's two different people represented here, Orpha. And there's also uh, Ruth. Uh, one, Orpha said, I, I'll go back. I'll, I'll just continue to stay here in this place that I'm comfortable with. But Ruth, she made a determination. That your God will become my God, and your people my people, and your land my land, and whether you go, I'm going to go with you, and whatever you choose to do, I'm committed, and uh, you know, entreat me not to go back or to return to that place, and it is here and through that decision, we could talk about the consequences of Orpheus' decision, But there is good consequences that came out of Ruth's decision and choice to follow after her mother-in-law, Naomi. And as I begin to examine this story, as it begins in chapter 2, and this is a quickly paced book, but as you get into chapter 2, you begin to discover some things about Ruth that really are timeless principles and uh, things that we can learn from. And that is, first of all, when she arrives, she realized that nobody's giving us handouts. We're not able to go and get any uh, help from the government. Nobody's going to give us a meal ticket. But if we're going to survive, we're going to have to work. And so in verse 2, it says, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field may now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him whose sight I find grace. I don't know where. I don't know where I'm going to find what I'm looking for, find the sustenance that is going to sustain us, uh, that is going to help us to survive. I don't know where I'm going to need to go in order to find Uh, the ears of corn that I'm pursuing that is going to give us what we need to make it and to feed us because there's nobody giving it to us. We're going to have to work for it. But I'm going to go out and I'm going to search until I do find some place where I can glean if it's not just but uh, a little bit at a time. But I am going to glean a harvest for you and I so that we can make it, so that we can eat. And so, first of all, with Ruth, we see a willingness, a willingness to work, a willingness to work. A willingness to work not just for herself and her own survival, but a willingness to work for someone else, her mother-in-law. And so, as we look at this, we can see that this is an important thing for you and I, and it's an applicable uh, thing for you and I, that the Scripture admonishes us that we need to work while it's yet day. For the night cometh when no man shall be able to work. In other words, we're living in a time that is limited. We're in the end times, Jesus is to come, and I believe he's soon to come. I believe that we're living in what I would term as the last of the end time or the ending of the end time. We know that any time in this entire dispensation would be considered the end time. And I do believe that as you examine the writers of the New Testament, in particular the Apostle Paul and uh, Simon Peter, you'll find that they wrote... In such a way that they believed, you can tell by their writing, in the imminent coming of the Lord. That the Lord could come at any moment, in other words. That's why we see these types of verses written. Work while it's yet day. For the night cometh when no man is going to be able to work. In other words, there is a set time. That God has for us to be able to glean a harvest. There's a set time that God has set for you and I to be able to have revival. And to see uh, people come in and receive this glorious experience of the Holy Ghost. And it's up to you and I to do our part. Not only for ourselves. So many people have the idea That I'll work just enough that I can be saved. I'll pray just enough so that I may be saved. I'll I'll be involved just enough and faithful enough so that I uh, can be saved. Or that I can can be ready to meet the Lord at His appearing. But I want you to notice something about this from the story of, of Ruth. And that is that she was not only concerned for herself, but she was concerned for her family, and also the maidens that were there with her that she was gleaning with in the fields. She was concerned for them that we're going to work until we're all satisfied with the amount of sustenance that we need to to make it and survive and be strong enough, not just to really survive, but to come back and work the next day and uh, be able to to do what we need to do to make it through this period of time that we're in. And uh, we don't have anybody else to do it for us, but we're going to have to go out and work and get the job done. And I think this is a wonderful example from the Word of God about the need for people of God to be workers in the harvest field. Uh, You know, we cannot exempt ourselves because we say we're too busy. We cannot exempt ourselves because we think that we've reached the age of spiritual maturity that we're past all of that or that it does not uh, uh, fall our lot to have to do those things anymore or we have already put our time in. But I can tell you that your involvement in the harvest is a mandate that has been given to us through the Scripture by Jesus Christ Himself. The Bible tells us that he gave that great commission and a call that is applicable to everybody in this room, young and old. And that is that we be laborers in the harvest field. That is that we be a witness for God. That we tell others. I'm going to tell this church that when we become focused only internally upon our own needs our own desires, our own uh, wants in the kingdom of God. And and church becomes about our little cluster and our our little family. And it only becomes about us internally and what we need from church and what we desire from church. Well, that becomes a pretty small world. And as a result, there's dysfunction that is introduced into that type of situation. You you take somebody that has no outward focus, that has no willingness to look beyond themselves and their own need. Uh, Many that have studied this, you know, you know that a dysfunctional person is somebody that is consumed with their self. That is consumed with their own needs. They're consumed with just their own desires. They're narcissistic is what the term is or what is said of them. They're inwardly focused. It's all internal. What I want to tell you is some of the best blessings that you can receive spiritually is when you get outside of that kind of mentality and you begin to think, who could I pray through to the Holy Ghost? Who could I witness to? Who could I tell about Jesus? Who who could I explain to them about this experience that I have in God? That I have the Holy Ghost and this is the greatest thing that could happen to an individual. If you become fixated just on your problems and your challenges and what you're facing and what you're going through in the trials of your life. And you cannot look beyond that. I want to tell you, you don't have to look too far to find out everybody's got troubles. Everybody that's living and breathing has challenges. Everybody has situations going on within their family, within their own lives as far as internally with with things going on that uh, everybody's had situations that they wish were different. They all have things that have been dealt to them that they wish they had not had to face in their life. And there's things that they've had to overcome as a result of that. Every one of us in this room have made mistakes that we wish that we could overcome are that we hopefully are overcoming, but we wish that we had never made those mistakes, and and uh, we have the weight of, of some of that, and uh, we have to we have to uh, keep our eyes on Jesus, as the Bible tells us. When we lay aside those weights, we have to focus. Not on just those problems, but focus on Him that is able to help us with that problem. But as we also begin to reach out to other people and minister to other people, God in His wisdom ministers to us. Praise the Lord. Amen. As we begin to work for God, God begins to bless us and begins to help us. Amen. And we become... uh, We become... Strengthened by that, because God enables people that will work for Him. He'll never, He'll never call you to do or put it on your heart to do something that He will not enable you and give you the strength to do it. Praise God. So I encourage you. You say, "Well, I've got it bad, and so I just want to recoil. I just want to kind of go into my shell. I, I just wanna. Uh, really, I just wanna. I wanna be consumed with this need in my life or focus on it. And when I get Uh, over that or when I overcome this or when I get over this hurdle then I'll think about doing something for God. Well you'll never get over it with that kind of mentality. I hate to burst your bubble. You'll never get over it with that kind of an attitude. The only way to get victory is to totally immerse yourself in the work of the kingdom of God. Totally be consumed with getting back to the place of prayer and worship And and the things of God. It's because we drift from those very fundamental things. That sometimes uh, all of these other problems and challenges start occurring in our lives. It's really not hard folks. It's simple. When we keep him first. Amen. When we put him on the top pedestal. When we make him a priority in our lives. All of these other things he said would be added unto us. That's what the book says. That's what the Bible says. Praise the Lord. And so we we realize right here from the very get-go that she had a willingness to work. Verse 3 says, And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz. She didn't know for certain There was no signs indicating, it doesn't appear that it's that way, that this was in fact Boaz's field. He he didn't have a name on the gate saying "This this is my field, no trespassing, stay out. It wasn't like that. She had on a field, the Bible says, and it just so happened it was the right field to glean in. It was the right place that she needed to be. What does that tell us? Well, it tells us, first of all, something about the God that we serve. That when we have a desire to work for Him, when we have a desire to do something for God, that He will direct our steps. That He will provide uh, us a way to fulfill the purpose that He's called us to. That He will direct us in the way that we need to walk and the places that we need to go. He'll take us... To the very place where we can fulfill the will of God for our lives. If we've got a desire, God has a place for us. Now, we acknowledge it first starts with desire. Because you cannot cannot give that away. You cannot give that to somebody. Somebody has to have desire for themselves. You've got to stir up some things within yourself to say, I need Uh, to have a desire to do something for God. And if you don't have a desire to do something for God, I question your experience uh, as far as the Holy Ghost is concerned because I believe one of the fruits of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost is that you will first of all want to do something for the kingdom of God. That's just an outgrowth of having the Holy Ghost. Are you trying to say that I never had the Holy Ghost, pastor, or that I currently don't have the Holy Ghost? I'm telling you that if you've lost your desire to do something for God along the way, then maybe you need to pray back through to the Holy Ghost. Because when you were a new convert or in the beginning stages of living for God, there was, I promise you, if you had a real experience in God, there was a desire to do something for the Lord. You you weren't content just to be a pew dweller. You were not content just to go through the motions. You didn't come to church just just to be there. And you certainly didn't come just to look around and analyze the situation and pick and, and criticize. But you came to get a hold of God and you wanted to see somebody else experience this great experience of the Holy Ghost. I promise you that's the attitude that you had if you got a real Holy Ghost experience. And so we need to be renewed in that and get back to home base. Get back to what's most important. Get back to what brought us to this place. Uh, amen. What 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 we felt, what we experienced, what we enjoyed when we first come to God, that needs to be stirred up within us again. Paul was speaking to Timothy. He said you need to stir up the gift that is within you. He said I know it's in you because it was in your grandmother and in your mother. And he said it's also in you because I laid hands on you and there were some things that was imparted to you through the Spirit. And so I'm asking and challenging you to stir it up. Well I know there's people in this room tonight that you have it. It's there. It just needs to be stirred up again. You have the ability to do something for God. You have the talent to do something for don't let the devil beat you up and tell you that you don't have a talent for doing anything for God don't let the devil try to convince you that your day is passed and your time is over and and that your has been and you can't do anything for God don't let the devil try to convince you that 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 really it's too late for you to do anything of real of real consequence for the kingdom I'm going to tell you that's all a lie and God wants to use you as much as he ever has and in fact I I believe with all of my heart that God is able to give uh, just like he gives the gift of faith in certain needs uh, for us to have that supernatural endowment of power to believe God for things that are impossible and see the miracle happen. I truly believe that God is able to anoint people in these last days to do more in a little while than maybe perhaps they did in their entire life leading up to that point. Let me back up and run over that again. Can I just tell you that God is able to give you what you need to get the job done. And I promise that God wants us to experience, He wants us to have, and He has promised that we will have apostolic revival. The only missing link to this equation is those that are willing to go to the field and glean in it and work in it. And once that part of the equation is plugged in, I promise you we can see the power promises of God fulfilled Hallelujah if you believe that why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord praise God I I don't believe that we're speaking I want you to understand me tonight I'm not speaking to people in a a manner of, of rebuke I'm not speaking to castigate anybody I'm speaking to challenge you it's the contrary I want to see you live up to your potential I think the devil has condemned people and pushed people down and said, don't get up, don't do nothing, because if you do, your life will be a failure. You'll come up short. Well, I want to tell you something. I'd rather die trying than just to sit idly by, just like those lepers of old that said, why sit we here till we die? Why sit we here in this place until we perish? We know what the end of this is going to be. We know that we've got a death sentence. We have leprosy on us. And if we just sit here, we know we're either going to starve to death or die first of leprosy. We don't we 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 know our fate if we just sit here. We 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 only have hope if we get up and start marching towards that army. What could they do to us that isn't gonna to happen to us already? If we sit here, we die. If we go over there, uh, you know, we may or may not survive. They may turn on us and kill us. They outnumber us by many and they're a great army but we could go down there and God could work for us too. Amen. We know there's nothing in the city for us to go back to. We we could we could hang around the city gate and, and, and wait for somebody to throw something over the wall to feed us and to give us a little substance so we can make it but, but we know that the city is in famine. They're perishing on the inside of the walls so we might as well go down to the enemy's camp and take some things away from them. And when they got down there, they realized that the camp had been emptied, but the tables were spread with plenty of food. And they said, you know what? We've got more than enough for ourselves. Let's go back and share it with the city. Let's go tell somebody else about it. I'm going to tell you, we've got more than enough for ourselves here. We've had enough church uh, to save the city of Texarkana. We've seen enough power and anointing and miracles. Uh, We need to get it outside these walls. We need to get it outside this church plant. We need it to get off this property. We need it to touch people's lives throughout this city. We need it to move upon the hearts of people in other places. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing? Oh, yes. And if you're willing, God will lead you into a place where you'll be successful. So you don't have to worry about that. We a lot of times think, well, I don't know if I'd be successful at that. Well, uh, try it. And if you've got a godly desire to do it, again, if God put that desire in your heart, he's going to help you to be successful. Verse 8 says, And then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field. What was he saying there? He said there's plenty right here. Glean in this field and stay here until you get what you need. You see, the tendency is when we get a little bit of discouragement that comes our way, or, you know, some disappointment that happens, or some kind of contradiction or conflict, we give up. Well, I want to tell you, anytime that you're resisting the kingdom of darkness, anytime you're, in other words, taking away from the devil, you can expect a little bit of conflict. You can expect a lot of people think conflict is something abnormal, must be doing something wrong, must be out of the will of God. Well, let me just tell you that the devil doesn't bother the people that is his own. Or that he has control of. If he's neutralized you and paralyzed you as a person, then he's, he's already got you. He's going on to somebody else. But if you're out there doing some damage to the kingdom of darkness, then you can expect a little bit of conflict. You can expect a little bit of resistance. But I would rather have a little resistance than to be in the clutches of the enemy and be a robot of the devil's. And just sit idly by and think I'm all right when I'm not all right. And be slowly soothed into a spiritual state of slumber. And 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 God help us to be shaken up. Help us to be moved off. Help us to be touched. Help the anointing tonight to shake us up and stir us up. And help us to realize that we sometimes lose our focus. And we allow it to become distorted. And we get distracted off of it. Because we're consumed with things that really one moment after the rapture of the church are not going to matter one little bit to us. I promise you, the thing that's going to matter is what you've done for the kingdom of God. What you've done for the kingdom of God. Your accomplishments, your accolades, your achievements down here is not going to matter a whole lot when you get over there. Praise the Lord. Now, does that mean that we're against accomplishments and accolades and all that and and achievements here? No, but they all are secondary to the most important thing, and that is serving God and doing the will of God for our lives. That's the difference. That's the difference, and that's something that we all have to keep in our focus. That's something that we all have to remember from time to time. We all have to bring that back into perspective, you know, because... This old flesh is a tricky thing. This old flesh and its pride—it wants, it wants those things. It wants that recognition. It it wants, it wants to meet those those criterias that we've set for ourselves. But I want to just tell you something: when when you hear those words, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant," enter into the joys of the Lord. That's going to be your greatest accomplishment. That's going to be the greatest accolade that you could have given when you get that crown of righteousness handed to you. That's going to be better than anything else uh, that you could have achieved in this life. I promise you that. That's going to be worth everything to you if you get to make it to glory. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Let's give praise to Jesus right now. You gotta stay with it. You cannot be discouraged. You cannot not be disappointed. You cannot let anything get you off track. Sometimes it doesn't happen necessarily overnight. I'm gonna tell you something about winning souls. Rarely does it happen overnight. That's where the problem lies. We think, you know, well, I invited them, and that's it. I'm gonna tell you it takes nurturing, it takes befriending, it takes more than just being nice initially. You gotta stay nice and you gotta stay patient. And you got to pursue sometimes people when they get discouraged and, and they fall out of uh, you know, interest, and, and things happen along the way that the devil tries to get them off track. And, and uh, you know what? People didn't care about them before all of a sudden start speaking into their lives. Uh, you know, I've seen children come, and, and uh, parents didn't care. Where they was at, what they was doing, they could stay out all night long if they wanted to, and uh, they could be gone and do whatever, and and uh, it didn't seem to be any any kind of punishment, didn't seem to be any kind of recompense for any of that, and then suddenly when they come to church and get a revelation of truth and are baptized in Jesus' name, they fight them tooth and nail. Makes absolutely no sense to me, but that's just the spirit that is working in this world. I said that's the spirit that is working in this world. That people, amen, they don't even really know what they're being controlled by. Just as I've already said, when you start plundering the, the kingdom of darkness, you can expect a little bit of resistance. But you got to stay in that field. This is the field that God placed you in. This is where it's going to happen. A lot of people, they get a little time when they feel like, well, I'm going through a dry season. It must be time for me to pull up stakes and go to a different church. Or it must be time for me to go over here and uh, whatever and go, go to this place or go to that place. Well, I'm going to tell you God's not in that. I said God's not in that. I don't care what you've heard or who told you, God is not in that because we go by the Bible around here and I've read the Bible and the Bible's not in that. The Word of God does not justify that. No matter how you want to cut it and no matter how you want to dice it up, that, that's not the will and the Word of God. The Word of God is you got to stick with something. The Word of God is you've got to be consistent at something. The Word of God is a person with character realizes that i got to plow the field, i got to plant the seed, and God has to send the rain. And in time, the Bible gives us the law, seed, time, and harvest. When that happens, we'll see the fruition of our work. We'll see the fruits of our labor. But you got to stay with it. If you give up during the middle and let the weeds take over and let the, uh, quit watering it and quit working it, to, then you can't expect to have a harvest. You can't expect for it to happen. you got to be consistent. you got to stay with it. And God will bless somebody that stays in the field. Can you say praise the Lord? you you you've got to know that God places people in certain fields. And when he does, there's a work that can be done through that. And then verse 11 says, and the the Lord recompense thy work. In other words, he had heard, and if you read the preceding verses here and some of the statements, he said, I heard about how you've treated your mother-in-law, how you've looked out for her, how you've treated those you've been working with. I've noticed that. And he said, because you've done these things when nobody was looking, nobody expected it of you, you done these things, in other words, in secret. I am praying that the Lord would bring recompense. I am going to see to it that you're rewarded openly. I had a just a little point of illustration. I had a friend of mine that uh, very bright uh, guy when he came up out of high school. Uh, he 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 took uh, a GMAT test, which is what they take for entering into business school, scored so high that schools all across the land, some of the very best business schools, was offering him a place to come, full-ride scholarship. He chose to go to a school there in Mississippi and, and graduated. And then uh, it was just, I mean, it was a little uh, deal that he went through. He went over to Europe to do some work over there. And then when he came back, he, he was already set to go to graduate school. And he had a desire that he would do whatever he needed to do uh, for the kingdom of God. And he said, God, I, I want to I be used of you. I want to do your will. And so uh, years before that, there was a man, their church hosted a meeting every year. There was a man that came to that meeting that stayed in their home. It was one of the preachers. And he, just a little boy, he went into the room uh, and asked that gentleman, could he shine his shoes? And just that little act of kindness. He'd ask his mother if he could do it. She gave her consent. He asked the man. He said, sure. And so he took the shoes and he shined them. And he gave them back. Uh, just a small act of kindness. But he felt compelled to do it. Little did he know, some years later, down the road, after he'd already been to college, after uh, that this, this man would come and be their pastor. And there was a situation where he needed some help there in the church, in the ministry of the church. And he offered him a full-time position. This man at this point already had his own business. Things was going high for him. And, 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 and he, was, he was doing really well. And he said, I know that it would be a, a cut. I know all of that. But would you be willing to, to work uh, for, the, for the kingdom of God here in this local church? And he said, I don't even have to talk to nobody. He said, "I've already been praying about this. Yes, I'll do it." And so, from that point on, now he pastors a church of his own, and God has really blessed him abundantly, abundantly. And uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't look logical. Sometimes it doesn't even look like a doesn't even look like a good monetary decision at the time. But I promise you this man today is being provided for more than he was in the business that he owned. Pastoring the church that he's pastoring. And God has blessed him in ways. And his family's living for God and and all of that. But it started with just one simple act of kindness Shining those shoes as, as a little boy. Many years before what he did in secret. How he treated someone in secret. how What his attitude was and his spirit was in secret. He was rewarded later on in life openly. Amen. And so it is important, the little things. It is important, the little attitudes. It is important, the spirit that we possess. It is important that we keep uh, our, our perspective, right, even when other people is not looking. Uh, you might say, Well, how does anybody? This is such a small, small area and small uh, stages, as it were, uh, not a literal stage, but say, You know, nobody's noticing this. Nobody knows about this. I'm going to tell you, you, keep doing that, and God will reward it. I promise you, God rewards those acts of kindness and graciousness. He said he's going to recompense your work. Verse 9, he said, when you go out in the field, I know you're a young damsel. I know that you're a beautiful lady. And there's men, hardworking, rough men out there. And there's marauders and bandits that are going through the countryside. But I am going to speak to the men that work in the field and tell them to protect you. And if you was to get thirsty while you're out there in those hot fields working, then there's going to be drink provided for you to quench your thirst. Virtually whatever need that you have, I'm going to take care of it. If you'll just work in this field, it's all going to be taken care of. I'm going to tell you, people sometimes they can say, well, I want to, I want to protect myself and I want to protect my own and I don't know if I want people to you know get involved. I, you heard the story about how Brother Lambeth's mother uh, when they left to go to become missionaries right here out of Longview they they went to become missionaries. His mother followed him all as in the days where you could go out to the tarmac and follow him all the way out there and it was one of those tail dragging planes and she went out there and grabbed a hold of the, the hinder parts of that plane and until the pilot couldn't even take off like he needed to, until they pried her loose and pulled her away as she was weeping, and that's the last thing, that's the last thing that he saw outside of the window of that plane before he went to Brazil, and that was before, that was before uh, cell phones, before email. It was just snail mail and 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 letters and that kind of stuff. That's the only way you could communicate, and and. Anyhow, it was years, years that he had that in his mind. That was It was going to be a few years before he would ever see her. Of course, there would be letters, but that was the only form of communication they had. And he, he, he just said, I'm going to go do the work of God. And she, she was reticent about it, but she let him, she let him, she let him go. I, I want to tell you, you need to let your family members go into the work of God. If you're a wife, be supportive of of your spouse being open to the will of God and willing to follow in the will of God. I know that's not real popular with everybody, but you know what? He is the head of the house, first of all. He's the priest of the home, first of all. It's not him following you. You need to be following him, first of all. Everybody say amen because that's in the Bible. Praise the Lord. And I can just tell you, When the hand of God is upon someone, you need to be supportive of it. When it's on your children, you need to be supportive of it. More than one parent has messed things up because they wanted to intervene. They think... They say, "Well, I don't know. You maybe ought to do this and that and the other. You you may not ought to go 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 at spearmen on 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 your calling for for God and all of that. I'd rather you do something where you can get a good paying job and 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 I know that's necessary if they don't have a call on their life. But I can tell you one thing: I'd hate to stand in the way of God's purpose for somebody's life. I'd hate to stand in the way of God's will. Being God will take care of them. God will provide for. God will open doors that need to be." Be open. I was thinking just the other day, had my parents did that, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Because uh, we took off evangelizing. I was all of a good 19 years old. You know, you don't have hardly enough sense to get out of the rain when you're 19. If you're 19, forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. But I'm just telling you, you you don't hardly have enough sense uh, to be operating a family and out there trying to preach to somebody else. At 19 years old, but that's just how it all unfolded my parents let me go. And you know, from that time to now, I can remember one time that I ever uh, borrowed money from my parents. And it was $100, but it may may as well have been $10,000 back then. It was $100, and uh, I can promise you I've paid that $100 back several times since then. But... um, They were willing to let me go into the harvest field. Let me go and pursue the call of God upon my life. And it takes a lot of courage to do that. But if this word is right, God will take care of you if you do. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. And then verse 16 says that he spoke to those men And said, let fall also. He said, we're going to make this a little easier. They've showed their willingness to work. They've showed their faithfulness and consistency in coming. Now let fall also some handfuls on purpose. As you're walking by, you just let some handfuls handfuls of, of corn fall out on the ground. And give it to them. Make it easy for them. Help them be able to harvest easy and glean easily. And, and I don't know how much, it necessarily how big their hands were. I look at some of the brothers around here at times and got some huge hands, you know. Brother Jay Fields, Brother David Lipscomb, my God, stick my hand in there. I just wonder if I'm, it's going to come back. It's like a bear trap. <laughs> anyway, one time I was shaking hands with Brother Larry Booker and so helped me, I got hold of two fingers. And felt like I had to hold the whole hand. I didn't even have the meat of the hand. I just had to hold two fingers. Shook those two fingers. God bless you. i give you the right hand of fellowship. But man's hands are still limited. But God's hands, the Bible tells us, the prophet said, he measures the waters of the world in the palm of his hands. When God and his hands involved in it, when he drops a few handfuls on us, a blessing, it's much greater than what man can do. You can't even compare God's hands to man's hands. You can't even make an accurate comparison. It's not even in the same ballpark. It's not even fair. Amen. When God, we try to do things in our ability, in our gifts, in our talents, and it only comes uh, you know, so far, but when God gets involved in it, His hands bigger than man's hands. You can't limit God. You you can't you can't hold God back when He wants to bless, when He wants to give to somebody, when He wants to help somebody. He will do it abundantly. Can you say praise the Lord? Hallelujah! 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 And then finally. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5 that this lady Ruth's name is mentioned in the genealogy or the listings that makes up the genealogy in the line of Jesus Christ, in the lineage of Jesus Christ. How did she make that position? This was a Moabitess. This was somebody that was not part of the... Chosen group. This is an outsider, as it were. But it started with a desire. I want to go to the field. I want to go to the field. It's been preached before, but it's true. The treasure, the treasure that was found in the Word of God, was found in the field. Everything that we need as a church and as a people to have revival to be blessed, to be sustained, to receive what we need from God. If we'll get involved, if we'll get out in the field and work the field, we'll find the treasures that we need. That's where everything that we need to have a move of God is, is when we get out there, God says, you know what? I see their willingness to work. I'm going to provide. I'm going to favor. I'm going to make up the margin. I'm going to bless. I'm going to help them. I'm going to do whatever's necessary but this question keeps resounding in my mind as we stand tonight. The question that Naomi asked Ruth, where hast thou gleaned today? What hast thou wrought today? Today. You know, we can have big plans about tomorrow and Next month, next year, and 10-year gold, and a 20-year gold, all of that kind of stuff. But where have you gleaned? What are you doing for God now? What field are you gleaning in now? That's what's important. That's the question that needs to be asked, is what are you doing for God at the moment? Praise the Lord. What, What can I be doing right now? Where are you gleaning? I'm going to tell you this that I'm preaching or teaching tonight is the key to your blessing that unlocks the door to you receiving much from God. You receiving what you've been desiring from the Lord is when you have a willingness to get in the field. We have this perspective. I don't know where we've got it, it's a part of our culture, I suppose. And that is that it's all about me getting what I need from God. Well, you do get what you need from God when you're willing to put some effort into it. Faith without works is dead, folks. Being alone. Again, that's the book. That isn't my opinion. That isn't just something that I'm saying off the cuff. That's in the Word of God. Faith without works is dead. Being alone. He said, well, we just get works out here by itself? No. That won't work either. Get faith over here by itself? No. That, that doesn't. He said, if you show me your works, you got to show me some faith with it. You show me your faith, and I'll show you some works with it. But you get them two together, it makes a powerful combination. And there's some things that are opened up and some things that happen when we put those two things together. Why don't we right now lift up our hands to the Lord and pray that the Lord God of heaven would let this word settle upon our hearts. Let it be more than just a little Bible study that rolls off our back like water off a duck's back, but God, help it to get down into the fibers of our spirit. Help it to get a hold of us. Help us to realize our responsibility and our part in this job. And that is that we have a task in the kingdom. We have a goal that we're reaching for in the kingdom. We have a purpose in the kingdom of God. We're to glean in the field. Where have I gleaned today? What have I done for you today that does not just include what it takes for me to be saved? and just about me and self-focus. But God, help me. Help me to get beyond just that. Help me to be interested in gathering a harvest. Help me to be interested in reaching people for the cause of God. Help me to be interested in doing more for the Lord. Would you reach to somebody nearby you and let's pray together again. Let's. I feel that we need to let this really grip a hold of our hearts. We need to let this become a part of the fiber of our spirit. We don't need to just let it sh- be easily shaken off. But God, stir me up. God, put a burden in my spirit. Help me to be moved as you were moved when you saw the multitude that were drifting aimlessly without a shepherd. Help me to be stirred as you were stirred when you saw souls that were unsaved and that were hurting and dying lost. Help me, God, to be moved upon. Help me, God, to be awakened. Help me, God, to be challenged. Help me, oh God, to be stirred up. I don't want just to be consumed with my own needs and myself. But God, help me, oh Lord, to reach beyond that and do more for the kingdom than I've ever done before. Praise God. Praise God. Would you clap your hands once again to the Lord? Hallelujah. Praise God. I believe that there's people in this room that God is going to issue a call to. You say, call to the preaching ministry, call to the pulpit ministry. No. Somebody's going to hear the call to reach a soul. That's what we're praying for. That's what this pastor desires. That's what I'm hungry to see. Amen. I'm I'm looking for even myself to get that rekindled to a place that it that it once was. I used to have such a so much more of a passion to see people come to God. Help it not to die out because of life and longevity in the church and whatever. I don't want it. You know, multiple things could be. We could excuse ourselves through. But I'm going to tell you, God has a work for all of us to do. And again, he wants you to be successful in that work. He isn't going to call you to fall on your face. When you go out, you're going out as an ambassador of Christ. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for hearing the word of God tonight. Let's apply it to our hearts. Come back this Sunday. We're going to have a great time in the Holy Ghost.